Welcome back to the Birdie Bug Pod, episode 14. It's good to be back. It is. We're back onto a normal schedule. In this very, um, in this, on this very dark and rainy evening. Yeah, hopefully people can't hear the rain hitting the shed. It is making a noise. So I hope you don't pick that up. It might be nice, soothing background sounds. (laughs) Might be. Yeah. Um, Okay, so. Good to be back, like I said, and today we are doing uh, a podcast all about the Mighty Oak. Yeah, and this was actually an idea that came from my mother. I think after watching the recent Woodland-focused Wild Isles episode, and fascinating. It that was, was wasn't it was it? a great episode, and, and the oak tree featured briefly. Not not was it actually was it in the Woodlands episode or the first episode? Because it featured in the first episode with the dormice. And... No, I think it was in the Woodland one because they were talking all about the symbiotic relationship with oh the, yeah with, with the, the fungi wood wide web, yeah yeah and the so... wood wide web which I thought was <laughs> was a great name amazing yeah and so we thought we'd do an episode delving a little bit deeper into the ecosystem that an oak tree creates yeah some of the threats to the to the trees and some of the things that, as always people are doing to help them. I've got to be honest, there's so much material on the oak tree. We could probably do three episodes about it, couldn't we? Yeah, we could probably do a whole episode just on the insects that live it's on incredible. an oak tree. So we will try and be brief. Not Well, we'll, we'll try and be efficient in yeah. our, in our uh, delivery of information. <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not really known for being efficient, are we? No. We do ramble on a bit, in the immortal words of Led Zeppelin. Yeah, just a tad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before the trees, have you got any catch-up? I, I, do you know what? For the think for the first time, no, the weather just, has just been be like rubbish. The second time in a row that I'm the catch up. So I think you're definitely overtaking me on the on the catch up. It's becoming my segment. Uh, motorway, yeah. Yeah. To be fair, my catch up's not super exciting. I haven't been out taking photos because, like I said, the weather's been naff. Um, but I did get to go to the outdoor expo, uh, which is a big uh, show in, at the NEC to do with all sorts of outdoor gear not specifically photography related but all of the wildlife uh people were there you know the rspb wwf uh, woodland trust national trust they were all there with their mem- memberships and, and stuff like that as was the companies like vikings and all the bird watching optics and i just thought i'd mention it because i despite being i don't know an outdoor enthusiast with hiking and trail running and stuff had no idea this event existed. Obviously, no, it's not one that I and I've been. I've, I've done a lot of trade yeah, fairs. Not only attended them, but actually visited them as well. Obviously, it's over this year, but I would like to go next year, not for work, because I was there uh, for work, and I could have spent a lot of money. So, if people are interested, uh, the outdoor <laughs> expo. I'm, I'm amazed that you didn't. Well, yeah, I didn't have time because I was working. I suppose you didn't come back with a bag. I wanted to buy paddleboard, like a rucksack or something, you know, a kayak, climbing shoes. Yeah, right. It was awesome. You do love a bag. I do you? love a bag. Mm. Um, so that was cool. That was my main bit of catch okay. up. And a bit more relevant, a new spider species has been discovered Ooh. in Australia, uh, a trapdoor spider, which is huge and very cool. I've actually written an article that will come out at some point on my blog once I've published it. Uh, but it's it's an interesting case because not only is it really exciting to find a new spider species, it's also quite rare and struggling because of land use change and habitat destruction. Yeah. So it's quite a good um, poster boy for some of the issues that are facing spiders, which people often don't really think about. We always look at the big charismatic creatures. Um, but oh, yeah. I shall look forward to the... Uh... To the new trapdoor species discovered, yeah. so that was cool. Excellent. When's that going to go up? Uh, I'm away this weekend. Maybe tomorrow if I've got time to put That's it up. Some more science. More science. I'll link it. 
Just, you know, just to do a shameless plug. Yeah, well, I'm writing about the new spider species and how spiders are threatened. Okay. But, yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, I don't actually have anything. I've just been really busy at work. Um, I've been getting more involved in the RSPB volunteering, which I've really enjoyed. Uh, and that's about it, really. So we'll crack on with the mighty oak. I think It's a fascinating good. organism. Yeah, it is. Do you want to Do you want to kick it off with some facts? Or we'll do it. We'll, as always, we'll start off with a little intro to A little intro about... The oak tree, there's, I mean, I, I thought I would, we'd just be talking about the English oak and then I found out there were 600 species of oaks. So I was thinking well, we may have to be a little bit broader than just the English oak. There are two species of oaks in this country, um, the English oak and the sessile oak. Mm. Um, there is a difference in those two, which I'll talk about a bit later, but basically it's a large... I'm sure you all know this deciduous tree can grow up to 40 metres. Scientific name is Quercus robur. Robur, I think the English one is. Yeah, I never really know how to pronounce them. But robur, 40 metres is... Which is quite an interesting an name. Because, tree. Um, obviously, the Latin name robur is Roman for strength. Oh, I was going to say robust. And, robu- yeah. Well, and robust, yeah. So um, that's, you know, the English oak has this... Uh, characteristic for strength and you know and uh, endurance and longevity and um, yeah, I think I did actually. I've, I had the in England. It's a national symbol of strength. Yes. oak trees. Yeah, which, and and in fact, it's a national tree, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you see it on like the National Trust um, and the Woodland Trust logos. Yeah, and National Trust actually maybe not, but the Woodland Trust is a is an oak tree, yeah. isn't it? It's um, the English oak and the sessile oak, very common in southern and. Uh, midlands in this country much more common in those parts of uh, of england and the sessile oak much more on the upland mm. parts of the country um the english oak is much more common than sessile oak but i'll talk to, about the little differences in those a bit later on because it's quite interesting yeah it's interesting um uh they do flower uh they have catkins uh, and produce acorns they only are generally mature about i don't know what you've got written down i've got 75 when they're actually become fully mature i actually didn't have a maturity Uh, age so we'll take 75 yeah and they live on average 150 to 250 years but there are examples of them of some that are a thousand years of age and i I think in america as well there's a huge population of oaks in america i think the oldest oak in the world is in america it's 1500 years yeah which is incredible old and i think it's in louisiana or something like that because um, I did have, obviously, it's a, it's been used in timber a lot. Of course, um, yeah. And it produces, so again, one of the hardest, most durable uh, timbers on the planet. But and, I had the, and resistant to fungal disease. It's very, yeah, very it's, highly resistant. Um, but on the maturity side, apparently it takes up to 150 years before the tree is actually ready to be in construction. So if you wanted oh, okay. to actually go out and plant like a field of oak trees to use in that industry it's just it's not viable in any sense of the no and actually it's this this age bit of the oak tree is quite incredible because i also learned and i genuinely didn't know this that they don't actually produce acorns until they're fully mature and that can be between 30 to 50 years before they actually well, produce it makes acorns. sense because acorns are like the seed and yeah. so only a mature plant yeah. would so but it seed. takes that long yeah. for them to mature and you think oh oak tree will grow Five years' time, it'll be a big tree and it'll, it'll produce seeds, but it doesn't no, it until it's fully mature. I had some quite cool stuff about the fact that it, each god in a variety of mythologies um, 
that are sort of normally the thunder and lightning gods. So I've got Zeus, Jupiter, and Celtic Dagda. Oh, I didn't know that one, but I've got Thor, obviously. Yeah, um, all being thunder and lightning related gods. Because they are normally the tallest living thing in an area, and so if something's going to get struck by lightning, it's going to be the oak tree. Yes. Which I thought... That was quite cool. Yes, and I think they are struck by lightning more than any other tree. Which makes sense. They're towering over everything else. There was a thing I read also that they think because they draw vast amounts of water through their trunks, obviously they get very tall. Yeah, litres and litres a day. That also attracts the lightning. Oh, I didn't didn't see that. Yeah, that's cool. So that was quite cool. And I've got down here that, and in fact, you know, this is this is why it's such an incredible um, thing is that no other tree has played such an important role or been so valued by humans because it's it's been in, it's been integral in our culture our history yeah, our medicinal purposes incredible it, i mean it is we genuinely could talk for hours about and we could have made a three party you know one on its history one on its biodiversity yeah, and one done. on its threats yeah so we could, we, we could very easily fill hours of talk yeah, about I mean, trees. we've got to try and keep this reasonably uh reasonably short because yeah. i could talk about oak trees for a long time i've got some really good facts have you give, got some good give, facts? No, you, give me some facts been on the earth for 45 million years i've got here um uh produces about 10 million acorns in its lifetime um vikings obviously used the timber a lot for their for their um ships, ships as of course did the british navy i think um really famous ship hms victory uh nelson's flagship of Battle of Trafalgar, I think, 1805, something like that. Um, I think 6,000 oak trees were used to make her hull and her masts. Um, What else have I got? The one I really found fascinating, and again, I didn't know, is that there is a gall wasp. Oh, yeah. And the gall wasp larva induces the oak tree to create little um, abnormalities in in the branches. It then injects those, and they're called galls. Yeah, they're like little, uh, like they're little almost like tree yeah. tumour type things. And then it injects those galls with a chemical, a, a tannic acid it is, um, actually. And that tannic acid is used in the production of ink. Oh, that's cool. So so what happens, they took those galls, they're, they're pummeled into a powder, um, and then they are mixed with iron sulfate and the chemical reaction of that created See, I wonder who discovered that ink and it is it's fascinating and, I'm, and there's more science to that than I'm actually uh, have, but, have explained but who looked there. at the growth on a tree and thought that'll make some yes ink. I don't know but it's been used it was used for ink production for thousands of years mm, and they're actually really so they're actually saying here which I think was brilliant some of the most famous texts in history would have been written using ink made by oak galls for example the Magna Carta and scientific papers by Isaac Newton, Charles Darwin, symphonies that were written by Mozart and Beethoven also would have been poetic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, would have been written with ink um, uh, made by oak galls, and it was so good. But they, there were other ways of making ink with soot and, and various other substances, but ink made by oak galls was very long lasting, and. Um, so I thought that was yeah, that is amazing. Really interesting. And I, I didn't know anything about that until I started. No, I don't have that have that down either. Uh, what have you got? Have you got I've anything? got, I mentioned the medicinal ailments. Apparently um, leaves, 
bark and acorns have all been used historically for a variety of medicinal purposes, such as treating diarrhea, inflammation and kidney stones. Ah, And apparently acorns have been used to make flour for bread. And coffee. Yeah, as I've written down, acorns were used to make flour for break. Uh, so <laughs> for break, yeah, yes, it made a good loaf of break. They did make didn't a good they? loaf of break. Yeah, I've I've got that they uh, they made coffee <clears> out of it in the back in first, Germans made it in the First World War. They when they ran out of actual coffee, actual coffee, they used acorns, ground it up, made coffee, and it was called ersatz. I wonder ersatz if there's actually coffee. caffeine in them. Have to look that up. Yeah, but yeah, so they've been integral to a lot of cultures. And I've got the best one, though. Okay. I, I think I've got the best little snippet of trivia about oak trees. This is amazing. And you can actually find it on um, if you Google this. There's a multimedia artist called Bartholomew Traubeck, and he turned the rings of an oak tree into the equivalent of a vinyl record. Oh, I've seen this. Have you seen it? Yeah. And he used a special type of camera to read the grain. They cut discs you know, across a, a section of an yeah. oak trunk. And so they made wooden discs, and they had a special camera that that read those lines, those that grain in a an oak tree disc, and they turned it into music. And yeah, you can I... actually find it, and it's, <coughs> it's it's so they they made music out of Trees. wood grain. Yeah, I do. I, I remember seeing absolutely the incredible. That is incredible. And um, yeah, so that was that was fantastic to read. What else we got? Well, I was thinking, in light of the fact that we've mentioned how long we could talk about it. It's probably worth moving on to some of the wildlife that oak trees support, unless you've got any other burning facts. I've just got so many. There's a whole load of folklore around oak trees. For example, um, country people often thought that they had medicinal um, uh, medicinal and healing properties, the oak trees. So in some places they would just walk around an oak tree wishing that people who had an ailment and they would wish the ailment to be taken away by the first bird they saw sitting in the oak oh, tree. Oh, that's quite nice. In Cornwall, driving a nail into an oak tree was a cure for toothache. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, I do wonder how... Because there, there are some historic... <laughs> this is brilliant. No, but there, no, this wait, is really just... good stuff. I'll, I'll do you one more because this is great. In Wales, rubbing the palm of your hand on an oak tree on Midsummer's Day kept you healthy for a year. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> So it did. It's absolutely brilliant. I, I like, love it. There are some of these ancient remedies that, that make sense. Like you can see the connection people have made. There are other ones that people just must have been on some no, sort of mate, truck. A nail in a, a nail in an oak tree. When you've got a toothache next time, go and drive a nail okay. into an oak tree and it's, I'll do that. it's a cure. I would never do it that. It would obviously work. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's. I could go on and on. 80th wedding anniversary symbolised by the oak. Did you know that? No. You know they do ruby and yeah. diamond. Eightieth an one because of longevity is the oak. So you think diamonds are longer lived than an oak tree? Well, <sighs> not lived, but like longer lasting. Anyway, I could go on and on and on. Yeah, but stop I it won't. now. We'll talk so about we'll stop. Wildlife. Wildlife. Now that that for me is one of the most important things. Yeah, and it's obviously the most um, relevant to what we normally talk yeah. about. I think if anybody did see both the first episode and the woodland-focused episode of the Wild Isles, you see just how many crevices and different ecosystems can be found on just one tree. So you've got either inside the bark, you've got like lichen and mosses growing on the tree, you've got the canopy, you've got fallen uh, sort of dead oaks that are just for a whole other ecosystem. And so they really are an insanely biodiverse organism. 
to the point I've actually got that 2,300 species are supported by oak trees, uh, 326 depend on oak for survival, and 229 are rarely found on trees other than oak. Which is amazing, which isn't is it? Which is insane. It is amazing, of course, because of their longevity as well. They can support that wildlife for, for ages. A, for a very long time. And they're actually valuable to wildlife from sapling all the yeah. way to a mature tree. So it's, yeah. it's not even like you have to wait, not like the timber industry, you don't have to wait 150 years. They are actually used and valuable to yeah. to nature very, very quickly. Yeah, it is It is incredible. And and if you wanted to find out more about that, because we could carry on talking about um, the biodiversity and the ecosystem around a and actually the Woodland Trust website is brilliant for it. Do you want it, me but... to rattle off some things? Yeah, rattle off a few more. So I've got things that are supported mainly by the oak flowers. And so these are eaten by red squirrels yeah. uh, as well as some insects. Uh, that includes some caterpillars of like the purple hair streak butterfly as well as the dark crimson underwing, which yeah. relies solely, solely on oak. Uh, the pollen on the flowers is also a popular food source for things like bees. Like the oak mining bee. Which is a priority species, yeah. which, again, survives almost entirely on oak pollen. Um, I was going to move on to acorns. Okay. So, obviously, typical acorn uh, lover would be squirrels. Yeah. But some maybe surprising ones include, well, wood mouse isn't too surprising, but badger, uh, apparently quite like an acorn. Uh, as well as deer. Um, 31 different mammals I've got. Yeah, 31 mammals. And they're mainly, on... mainly eating acorns, but of course the acorns also are poisonous to some, aren't they? Yes. Um, the one I was surprised at is jays. Yes, jays love them. And will even bury them. Yeah. Uh, which you always attribute that sort of behaviour to something like a squirrel. On um, my Instagram page, I often see people posting, obviously not at this time of year, but um, in the autumn, posting um, pictures of jays with acorns. I just didn't expect them no. to be a bury, burying yeah. creature. And obviously yeah, they love them. They're quite useful because if they do forget where they've left any acorns, they, that's then the potential for, for a new tree. Yeah. Um, and obviously the normal birds being woodpeckers and nuthatches. Yeah, wood, woodpeckers like oak trees because the bark is soft. And yes. A, they can get into them for eating invertebrates and, and finding food, but also... It's relatively soft, the bark, to be able to get in to yes, create... It's not quite an... so much force yeah. on their face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Which I so. still find it baffling. That and that... it actually supports all three of our British woodpeckers. Yes, I do find it mental that that was an evolutionary pathway. It's just smack your head against some wood over and, and over And they've got some again. really clever stuff going on yeah, in their, their head, their tongues wrap around their skull, mm. sorts of spongy stuff, which means their brain's very little and they're not very smart. But they are very efficient yeah. at making holes. Yeah. And they do love an oak tree. They do love an oak tree. Um, the oak leaves also are valued by quite a lot of species. Again, caterpillars, including purple hair streak, great oak beauty, um, and one that has a French name, so I'm not going to try and pronounce it. Um, Talking about the leaves, the um, wood ants like them a lot. Yes, the reason they do. It's not actually the leaves they like, it's the aphid that feed on the new shoots that come through. And, of course, wood ants farm honeydew from aphids you knew you knew about oh, yeah. that. i mean it was in wild isles but it was in wild, ants wild isles. around the world farm a variety yeah. of things so they will go literally to the top of a oak tree to try and find aphid that are feeding on new shoots of the oak tree so i also being a fan of spiders uh, obviously lots of insects 
as we've spoken, live on oak trees. Um, that attracts a variety of predators. And there is a, a spider, whose scientific name is Philodromus predatus, and they live almost entirely on oak trees, just consuming all the all the insects, which I just think is quite cool. It's quite cool. But that was also, going back to acorns, quite an interesting point about the fact that a lot of mammals eat them and then they are poisonous to others. For example, ponies and cattle, it's actually toxic and gives them a, I think it's a gastric or liver failure or something. So in places like, in fact, I was talking to your mum about it because my, my parents used to live in the New Forest. Every year they will put, release pigs into the New Forest to eat the acorns. Yeah, they replace what should be the wild boar. Don't yeah, they? they do. And they so they'll release a whole load of pigs into the New Forest to eat the acorns so that the New Forest ponies don't. It's yeah. called panage. I didn't know that. The, the, I tried to go and the see The right them. to uh, grazing pigs in a woodland is called panage. I've... I've wandered through the new forest a few times uh, in autumn because a friend of mine uh we, we go looking for fungi yeah and there's often signs up saying pigs about yeah and i've always wanted to see them but have not yet yeah seen well they're in there to save the new forest ponies so that's quite interesting it's interesting why they're poisonous to some and not to others but anyway so and then i've also just obviously got a range of birds um i've actually got 38 species of bird uh that rely on oak trees and specifically um i've got things like tree pipits red start wood warblers blue tits great tits yes and there's quite a few on there that are red listed birds like tree pipits and wood warblers are a red listed bird uh, and they really do rely on the oak tree to survive um and also which is this is actually moving on to the how the bark is useful as we've said it can be quite soft um it also creates quite a variety of textures and crevices which makes a rather lovely habitat for bats to roost yes, in. Yes, bats are another one. They, they love an oak tree. Betstein's bat and the rare barber still. I don't know cool. a great deal about bats, I've got to be honest. No, I only know little bits about bats. Like pipistrels, they obviously don't... They're live. quite common. They're the one, if you see one in your garden, it's probably a pipistrel. Yeah. Um, that, did I call it a pipistrel? Pipestrel? Pipistrel? I don't think it matters. Um, and we've, we've mainly spoken about it as a food source, but obviously the bat roosts in there, but, but so do... Uh, pied fly catchers, yes. marsh tits, yeah. tree creepers, also just loads of invertebrates. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. And of course, it's not just the tree itself, it's all the moss uh, around Lichens, the bottom. Liverworts. And then it's all of that leaf litter that it produces on the ground for beetles and a whole range of invertebrates in that leaf litter, which is also hugely important to the woodland floor. So it's an incredible... Just before we move on from the wildlife... It's an incredible ecosystem thing. I have I have two... I don't want to call it a thing. I didn't want to call it, it a thing. Th- and it's an incredible ecosystem. biodiverse ecosystem around uh, a single tree. tree. Um, I have two... I've, I've got lots, but I've got, I've got two uh, invertebrates that I thought were particularly cool. That's your, well, that's your gig, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, the, the larvae of the goat moth which is the heaviest moth in the UK, uh, lives is under the bark. six kilos? Yeah, it's like six kilo moth. It's actually the curlew moth, not the goat. Um, and I also have something called the cobweb beetle, uh, which lives beneath the bark and steals food from spiderwebs, which I just thought was oh, quite cool. Very cool. And of course, there's a lot of beetles, isn't there, in and around an oak tree? Yeah, I mean, I've got Britain's largest ground beetle, uh, which is also one of our rarest. The blue ground beetle yes. lives in, in damp fact, They oak thought it woodland. was extinct for a while, and then they found it again down in Devon and Dorset because they, they thought that had been uh, that had actually gone extinct. So um, 
And that really loves her. The, An oak the, woodland. The damp woodland around an oak tree. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've got I've got lots of invertebrates from purple emperor, butterflies, and also fungi. You've got the beefsteak fungus, which what I see in the um, in the new forest. And it does it, it all does look like a slab of meat, and apparently it's quite tasty. Oh, really? So yeah. it's not a poisonous one. No, uh, my friend got a photo of me looking like I was taking a bite out of the tree and made some sort of funny vegan joke. <laughs> Uh, and obviously we haven't really spoken about and it could again be in another whole episode is the number of species of lichen i've actually got 716 types of lichen live on oak trees which again support another whole range of animals so yes and apparently i've got down here that there's 12 that only survive on an oak tree yeah So. so it 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 really this episode could go on forever um, just because it's so extensive, the, and I've got the wild also, that it supports. I, I, I have to say, I found that on the wild isles, that symbiotic relationship between the fungi and the roots of an oak tree. Well, it's all tree. It's not necessarily just oak yeah, trees. They, they, they highlighted yeah. it on the oak tree, and that was just absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it's actually it? it's, that's again something well, that was new to me. I didn't realise that was a thing that they are effectively looking after each other, which yeah, I thought I, was amazing. It's fairly common, like not just with trees, but with plants that vegetation in the presence of fungi do a lot better because of these symbiotic relationships mycorrhizal fungi the wood wide web yeah yeah it's it's it was brilliant it's well known and well documented that these relationships exist but the wild isles did a really good job of visualizing it yeah they really did um it's it's very cool it's very everything is very much connected in a woodland nature has a wonderful way doesn't it yeah (laughs) looking after itself it's which is why when it's it's a really good example of why because it takes so long for these connections to form and it's very much a trait of older woodland very well established woodlands it's why if people cut down trees and say oh it's okay because we've planted younger trees it's not the same it's not you can't just replace an old, well-established woodland or forest. No, with when you some think of trees. when you think of the biodiversity in and around it that, it takes tree. a long time for all those things to yeah. evolve and build and yeah. work together. You can't just stick some saplings somewhere else and think it replaces the same habitat because it, it really doesn't. Uh, but that's oh, last last um, invertebrates because if you've ever seen a click beetle, they're really cool. And we actually have an oak click beetle, which oh, enough, okay. breeds on dead oak trees, yeah. which I thought. There's just there's so many beetles, so many invertebrates that live on trees, on oak trees specifically. Well, yeah, for me, the the bird species that live in and around a, Little and tawny tree. owls. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But without just fawning over the wildlife for hours, we'll move on to the slightly less positive stuff and talk a little bit about the threats to our oak trees. Yes, and there's some... Uh, there's a few regulars appearing there, isn't oh, there? Oh, yeah, as always. Um, but and again, if you've watched Wild Isles, you know that we've lost a lot of our forests and woodlands. So that habitat becomes quite fragmented and dotted about. So they're not as connected as they should be, which, as always, reduces things like um, genetic biodiversity. And if an area is susceptible to a disease, it's more likely that the whole area is going to be wiped out because it's a much smaller, less diverse habitat or ecosystem. So that makes things more precarious than they perhaps should be. Um then you've also got climate change, pests, yeah. land use, drought, flooding, pollution. Yeah, all uh, of those. Obviously, things. all of those have come in uh, to the mainstream media quite a lot recently. We had a big drought last summer. We're still technically in drought. I know it's raining out there, but most of England is still currently in drought. We also had a lot of flooding. Um, 
all of which is quite bad for for oak trees. Yeah. And for everything else, to be fair. Well, and the other thing I was reading about was um, pests and disease brought in by imported timber. Yeah, and not just imported timber, just imported plants. Yeah, yeah, and actually the Woodland Trust made a uh, did quite a a big thing about that, where they they really are um, pressing the government to try and put some kind kind of uh, regulation around that, but as ever. You yeah, know. I've got a little bit on that oh, when it comes to the conservation and yeah. things that people can do to help. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we do bring in a lot of non-native plants for gardening yeah. purposes and industrial purposes, and, and they do bring with them disease and, and pests. Yeah, well, what happens when, when the during uh, periods of drought and periods of flooding, of course, you know, the weather's changing, we're getting extreme versions of those, what effectively happens is that the tree weakens in some way and that weakening of the tree invites all sorts of bacteria and viruses it just and makes pests them more vulnerable to and makes them really issues. vulnerable to 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 attack from all of those areas which is why you get this big it's called dieback and you get lots of um periods in our history going back where we've had dieback of oak trees uh, in, yeah and not just oak trees it happens to we've had one recently on ash trees actually in this country and in fact going around um arundel there's a little walkway that goes down towards a river and it was full of ash trees and they've actually stopped um everyone going down there because they had to take a whole load down because they've been attacked uh or they the, the ash trees that had some kind of virus that had hit them and disease that had hit them and, and and invariably that's either due to environmental conditions or uh diseases and pests being brought in um on as you said non-native species coming into this country so yeah and they call it acute oak decline um and like you said with with all well, a variety of trees it sort of goes through waves you get periods that are bad and periods yeah. that are slightly better um and it's not it's not one thing it's not like a specific disease it's a combination of factors so uh things like poor soil conditions yeah. and obviously climate change contributes to that because drought it's bad for soil, uh, waterlogging and flooding. It's bad for soil, agricultural pollution. Yeah, it's bad for soil, and all of that ends up and, impacting and the trees. Urban development that's going yeah. near and near, poor, and all those just things. poor land use yeah. management. Yeah, um, whether it's pesticides or climate or just everything we do that damages the land, uh, and then like we've said that those poor conditions weaken the trees, and it makes insect pests, fungi, and bacteria can all attack a vulnerable tree. Sadly, it tends to uh, target, or it tends to happen to older trees more yeah. than younger ones, specifically those sort of older than 50 years. So those nice mature trees that provide, we haven't even touched on, obviously, the, the climate resilience side of having an old tree, the amount of carbon it stores, the amount yes. of air it purifies, yeah. the amount of water it can filter through and, yeah. and again purify, the flood risk mitigation, all that it can cool areas. So all of these really important climate resilient properties of just trees in general but old oak trees are uh, always going to be very good at it uh it's just just decimated <laughs> not only are you losing the trees you're then contributing to the stuff that's causing the tree yeah. decline anyway we're yeah. worried about climate change trees are obviously brilliant at yeah. combating that so it's a real feedback loop yes. which is concerning um i have one of the notorious pests is the processionary moth oh okay don't know if that's how you say it okay um but they're a non-native pest so they're not not a native species uh and essentially they 
damage the tree themselves and they actually then increase the susceptibility of that tree to other things. Yeah. Um, they are part of what we call chronic oak decline. Uh, they're actually toxic to people as well, the hairs so, on them. So they would have come in again, been brought in yeah, whether it would have been imported product or whatever. Yeah, I didn't right. actually find out where they're from originally. Um, but yeah, they, they cause damage themselves and then increase the susceptibility of the tree to other infections yeah. uh, and like i say yeah the, the the hairs on these moths actually irritate and cause respiratory problems in people so oh, okay not a good moth to have no well caterpillar but we don't know moth. actually where they originate well from. we probably do i just didn't find out oh okay but but you're the moth man <laughs> i'm spider-man normally oh, okay i don't know that much about moths um you're not the moth man no i got that wrong so yeah they're struggling from a whole variety of factors sadly Yes, they are. Um, and as ever, you know, I, what can we do? Well, I mean, there are, again, we talk, we talk every time, every time we talk about the bad stuff and then we say, wow, but there's some amazing organisations out there that are trying to save things. Yeah, and, no, and, no. and it's no different to oak trees. There is, well, there are organisations. Woodland Trust is one. There's another one called ActionOak.org um, doing a huge amount uh, to try and save oak trees uh re- replant oak trees all all across the country and batter government to try and make, <laughs> to create some awareness of of how serious it is that uh, that we look after them yeah so, and, and shows like wild isles and those sorts of documentaries are really good especially when it features somebody like david attenborough bringing these issues to the public and causing sort of mass awareness because lots of people will love their local forest or love their local woodland or whatever habitat but maybe not realise the threats that they're facing. And so one of the key things that is being done is trying to bring that awareness yeah. and, and cause that public outcry so there's yeah. more voices yelling about it instead of just an, one organisation. Um, Action Oak, I thought, are very, very cool because they're quite tailored in their mission. Uh, and so they do a combination of things from research into actually how to protect native oak trees, like the best ways to manage uh, their populations and make sure that they're as least susceptible or, or most resilient to climate change and yeah. pests as, as possible. They actually fund quite a lot of research into this, so all sorts of scientific studies looking at the impact of pests or the presence of non-native pests, various controls, how much are they uh, susceptible to drought, all that sort of stuff. So they fund a lot of research. Yes, there's another one called the James Hutton Institute, which does that on a scientific basis as well. Very similar to what you're saying about action uh, oak as well, which so. is really valuable because we can talk about wanting to. And to it's save done in them. a scientific way yeah. rather than you know rather than an alarmist way. Yeah, but um, you need that data because yeah. if you want to be efficient in protecting a oak tree population or woodland, then you need to know. You know, if you bring in one pest control, is yeah. that going to cause issues down the line? So. It, it, we need those scientific studies, um, but importantly, they also work with like the owners and the managers of, of the yeah. woodlands and of, of the land yeah. to make sure that they're aware. And that's hugely important, getting them on board. Isn't yeah, it? it's getting got to be collaborative. Side. Yeah, uh, it's no good just having scientists saying, "Oh, this is bad." Yeah. You need the people whose land they're on to implement the the solutions. Uh, what I also quite liked about Action Oak, and I think this is becoming a more common theme throughout environmental charities certainly the Rivers Trust, the RSPB, BTO, uh, are starting to use citizen science yeah. networks to actually monitor yeah. tree health because if you walk through the same patch of woodlands every single day, maybe you're an avid 
know, fungi observer, as, as a lot of people are, or, or bird watcher, you're actually in quite a good position to notice signs of tree health or illness. And so it's a hugely important thing, citizen yeah. science. And again, I've only really learned that since I've uh, got got so passionate about bird photography and got involved in that. And as you say, places like the BTO. Um, use citizen science for accumulating vast amounts of data that they just wouldn't have the resources to do on their own. No, it's and, just it would be so difficult to fund yeah. a team of people to be out there constantly yeah, looking absolutely. for river health or tree yeah. health or bird populations. But you've got so many people who love nature yeah. and are out there either watching birds or looking, I say looking at fungi or and, You know, or... if you are passionate about that, then there are so many ways to get involved in that. Well, um, one of the cool ones from the Woodland Trust is actually called Observatory, yeah. which I just yeah, love I saw the that. name. That was brilliant. Uh, which is an observation project. Yeah. So it's essentially using partners and citizen scientists to be able to report and monitor tree populations and health. And uh, if you can go onto the Woodland Trust website, again, we'll link it all on, that, on how to get involved and it's it's genuinely so rewarding to get involved in doing stuff like that i can't can't you also end up with a better appreciation of just the it's almost it's like a good intro to being a bit more knowledgeable about nature because you start looking for things. yeah and the thing is we all sit in our houses and moan about it but actually getting up and doing something and volunteering some time um to do something like that as i said is is really rewarding and i would i can't recommend it i mean obviously uh being outside in amongst nature anyway is good for people's mental that's health that's something just, that's wonderful about well, woodland I, as well i believe isn't in japan i'm pretty sure it's the japanese who doctors will actually prescribe yes. time around uh, trees yeah it is <laughs> i think that it's very therapeutic walking through a woodland very clean air yeah um yeah they actually prescribe it as a mental health yeah, i can thing. understand that uh, yeah. there's been a push to make it a, something that we can do in the uk where you can prescribe outdoor time yeah. not necessarily as a complete replacement for other um, therapies, but just as a way to try and sort of supplement them, yeah. uh, which is why there's been a push to make outdoor spaces accessible to everyone. Yeah. So that because obviously, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to live near the New Forest and the South Downs. If you're in the middle of a city, sometimes it's harder to get to those spaces. So there's been a big push. We just need to make sure those green and blue spaces are healthy. Uh, and the Woodland Trust are actually a really good voice for lobbying. So a bit like. You, I mean, if you're on the environmental side of Twitter, you'll always see like the RSPB are, are lobbying a lot for nature. Um, the Woodland Trust are lobbying a lot for woodlands and trees and fantastic forests. website. Woodland they Trust. have a cracking website. It's, it's a really, really good, really mix informative, of... and it's it's really really easy to read. It's it's really yeah, well a good put organization. together. Yeah. Uh, so as always, there are uh, charities and and people out there working very hard. There are actually a few things individuals can do yeah. to try and minimize their impact um when it comes to spreading pests and diseases um and this this is good practice just in general i mean you you see rspb reserves implementing things um during like bird flu and it's very similar to that where tree pests and diseases aren't particularly visible so you don't necessarily know what you're dragging around with you on the bottom of your boots or your bike tires or or whatever so making sure that you clean your walking boots um, before and after visiting a woodland or or any sort of outdoor space is a good way to make sure you're not taking something from one area and putting it in another same with your car and bike tires Uh, try and stick to clearly marked 
paths rather than venturing through all the undergrowth because again you're more likely to pick up something and and take it with you well that's also good practice from not disturbing the habitat yeah, the and habitat yeah. and and that's again like you mentioned the rspb are, are really vigilant about that particularly at nesting times um you know you, you're meant to stick to the paths and not go off into the habitats and whether I mean, you can disturb you nesting know, birds or, yeah. or whatever i mean and in fact the flora and fauna as well it's exactly the same yeah and we've spoken about the fact that things like um fungal diseases can attack trees obviously there's a very famous uh fungal disease of amphibians called chytrid chytrid fungus and so whenever for example for the field work at university we went out looking for reptiles and amphibians we used to have to stand in a bucket of disinfectant obviously nature friendly disinfectant wasn't like bleach or anything but you had to wash your boots off before venturing out to make sure that you weren't bringing a, a fungal disease yeah. and there's no way to look down at your shoe and be like oh that's it. i'm carrying a fungus so it's, it's just important to make mm. sure that you take steps to try and not spread these diseases any more than than they already are yeah. again the woodland trust a lot of our links will probably be woodland trust related um have some good information about how to make sure we're not you know unwittingly causing a lot of harm yeah it's all it's all good advice to be yeah, honest. Yeah, and lots of I say lots of things that people perhaps wouldn't necessarily realise. No, and we're all guilty of just sticking our boots on and not cleaning them when we come yeah. home. We're all guilty of that, and it's actually a really simple thing to do, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just brush it off, run yeah. it under the outdoor tap or yeah. or something. Um, it's very small actions that you can take, and then like I say, if you want to go a bit further citizen science projects like Observe a Tree. Uh, yeah. There are other ones, but that's the one the coolest name. Um, and so get involved in monitoring the health of your local forest or woodland. And it's not a lot of effort. It's normally just if you notice trees are looking unhealthy or they'll give you things to look out for. It's just reporting it. Yeah. No, I think that's really good advice. Um, and, and we all need to try and do our bit and be a bit more vigilant about things like that. So. I say it's a nice excuse to get outside. I've got, I don't need an excuse, <laughs> actually. No, you just leave your work, don't you? You just go for a walk. I just go, yeah. As, as long as... Bit fair weather, but when I'm carrying camera gear, it has to be a bit fair weather. Yeah. But, um, but, but there's something absolutely, as I said earlier on, wonderful about walking through a woodland, especially and, after um, it's rained. Yeah, and I've only and there's something incredible about standing, you know, next to a very mature oak tree. They are absolutely incredible things. Massive. They are, they are so impressive. But there we go. That is a very brief covering of oak trees it's a very brief one isn't it i I sort of threw it in there in the middle rapidly we didn't really cover just the the climate resilience side of of oak trees or the health of people um that they that they can contribute to but hopefully it's given everyone an appreciation not only of their cultural significance but the sheer amount of biodiversity they support as well as the threats and the people who are working very hard to help yes um the cultural thing again we didn't touch on too much you know it's been written about sung yeah. about Hopefully folklore about quite you know, a nice quick summary of the episode um as we said no no tree has had more impact and been more revered by humans than the oak tree so, so it's about we, time we start looking after them we should yeah. we should give the love back yeah we? But hopefully you've learned a bit and enjoyed it and go and hug an oak tree go hug an oak tree and Thanks very much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye.